Right, okay. I wonder how you're actually supposed to start a podcast. Is, hmm, is there a chance I could start it wrong? Hmm, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll just press this. The Queen's dead, Hillary Clinton's a paedophile, and a woman's been arrested for, sorry, but pooing on her boss's desk after she won the lottery. Welcome to Fake News. Those headlines, at least at the time of recording, have got absolutely no evidence to prove them true. They were made up. They are all lies. Yet millions of us across the world are falling for these and similar headlines every single day. Callum McDonald. Welcome to a brand new podcast. This is Trust Me, I'm a Journal, and I'm Callum McDonald. By day, I'm a journalist with, well, what I now suppose is referred to as a mainstream media outlet. But this podcast is made independently from them as we investigate fake news. Over the course of our series, we'll go to America to hear from the man who says his fake news articles may have got Donald Trump elected as president. We'll head to Germany, where, quite simply, they're freaking out about fake news ahead of their election later this year. And we'll hear the very British examples of how websites here are dabbling in a bit of fake news as well. We'll ask what impact fake news could have on democracy in the United Kingdom. And today... It's a slice of pizza. Was a pizza restaurant really hiding a paedophile ring that involved the Democratic nominee for President Hillary Clinton? We're investigating Pizzagate. You can count on all the facts from us. You can trust me. I'm a journalist. So, here we go then. Isn't this exciting? Uh, Brand new podcast. Uh, I've never done a podcast before. So I'm quite excited. I'm not quite sure what to expect. And I presume that you're not exactly sure what to expect. So let me try and uh, outline exactly what we'll be up to. Uh, So we've got a few episodes in which we're going to be looking at um, some of the most prevalent um, and, well, actually most interesting as well, I guess you could say, perhaps most exciting even, fake news stories. Um, Fake news, a concept which has become uh, more obvious in the last few months, I would say, uh, the presidential election in the United States of 2016 seem to really highlight the issue of fake news. And uh, let's be clear, fake news is a story uh, which does the rounds, uh, particularly on social media, which is just it's just wrong. It's just lies. It's not true in any way, shape, or form. Um, a lot of it's conspiracy theory, um, but because of social media, lots of people consume this information and regard it as absolute fact. Uh, so we're going to get stuck into some of those stories here on Trust Me, I'm a Journal. Uh, obviously, a slightly tongue-in-cheek title for the podcast, but I'm sure you'll all make your peace with that. And I'd love you to get in touch as well uh, as the series goes on. Uh, you can leave comments on uh, Facebook, on Twitter... Uh, head to the website it's trustmeimajournal.com uh, you can email me anytime uh, hello at trustmeimajournal.com and I'll get right back to you comments on stories we're covering uh, criticism always welcome as well but do get stuck in uh, as we explore some of these um, fascinating ridiculous stories uh, that are going to keep us entertained over the next few episodes and today we're starting with Pizzagate which to be honest seems like too funny a name for a, a conspiracy theory that escalated to the point that an armed man actually drove up the east coast of the United States to, quote, self-investigate whether a pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C. had a secret paedophilia dungeon in its basement. It actually ended with him shooting his assault rifle inside the restaurant and being arrested. The man, Edgar Welch, and that name has really emphasised the importance of fake news and the impact it can have on those who actually fall for it. This fake news got real and scary 
pretty quickly. It's the story of a scandal that never existed. Now, I've put the story together based on several reports by speaking to those involved who you'll hear from throughout the episode and reviewing police statements to try to work out exactly what happened. Pizzagate started, as so many things seem to have in the last few months, with WikiLeaks. When WikiLeaks released emails from former Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign chairman John Podesta, most commentators focused on the ones showing Hillary Clinton's allies speaking really quite brutally honestly and sometimes rudely about her and people she knew, as well as about policies that they really didn't like the sound of. A small number of people on message boards that you might be familiar with, like 4chan and Reddit, where people gather and in some threads really have quite abrasive discussions about some quite difficult topics, shall we say. They were more interested in seemingly mundane emails about small social gatherings and parties that were hosted by John Podesta and his friends. Specifically, they noticed that these emails mentioned pizza quite a few times. Boldly disregarding the simple explanation that people in emails, like most Americans, like most people around the world, eat pizza regularly, self-appointed internet detectives decided that pizza was a complex code for paedophilia. So, using this code, according to those who subscribe to Pizzagate, John Podesta and his pals could openly discuss their plans for throwing disgusting sex parties, exploiting enslaved children in between exchanges about Clinton's campaign strategy and setting up conference calls. Welcome to Washington, D.C. It's a crisp Sunday afternoon in early December 2016. As well as the winter and glad tidings, there's a mix of rumour, political nastiness, technology bursting at the seams with speculation, nonsense, fact, fiction, and all getting mixed up into one big soup. Combine that with the thrill of being your own self-appointed private investigator. But let's go back to October. At the end of October, the director of the FBI, James Comey, told the US Congress that he was reopening the investigation of Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. It's because new emails had been found on a computer belonging to former New York Congressman Anthony Weiner. He's the former husband of Hillary Clinton's aide, Huma Abedin. Two days after Director Comey's announcement, someone tweeting under the handle David Goldberg NY, whose bio reads Jew, Lawyer and New Yorker, tweets Rumours stirring in the NYPD that Huma's emails point to a paedophilia ring and Hillary Clinton is at the centre. This claim was retweeted more than 6,000 times. The allegation was that Hillary and Bill Clinton used the Comet Ping Pong Pizza Restaurant in Washington, D.C., as a front for a paedophile sex ring. The back room was supposedly used for kidnapping and trafficking children. And from here, it caught fire. The connection? Well, the owner of the pizza restaurant's a man called James Alephantis. He's a donor to the Democratic Party. He was mentioned in the so-called Podesta emails and part of the Clinton email scandal. So members of the message boards, 4chan, Reddit, and other such websites, which can be a gathering place for people with quite extreme beliefs, they began to raid Mr. Alephantis' social media profiles, finding pictures of children and letters from Hillary Clinton, 
as evidence of alleged wrongdoing. Users claimed some words in Alephantis' emails, like pizza and cheese, were code words for criminal activity. Pizzagate is real. The only question is, what exactly is it? These rumours and allegations and conspiracies made it to the far-right site Infowars, where talk show host Alex Jones spoke frequently about the claim that Clinton was involved in a child sex ring. Let's hear a bit of what Mr Jones has to say. As I'd said, man, I hope this is drug dealing code word or something, or, you know, maybe they got the wrong manual, because this is the FBI says this is, this is pedophilia manuals. These are the terms they use, and then here's the New York Times. Fake news onslaught targets pizzeria as nest of child traffickers. Hey, I don't know why the pizzeria and the one down the street have symbols of the FBI dossier. I don't know why there's devil worship art on the walls. I don't know why it's connected to Potesta. I don't know why they got rock singers there talking about, you know, being, you know going after kids or whatever. This is what's going on, though. He since deleted that video, but an organisation called Media Matters recovered it. Apart from the fact he doesn't actually make an awful lot of sense as he rants along through his various episodes, it's easy to see why this sort of conspiracy can spread so quickly and so vehemently, particularly online. The Podesta emails did show that Mr Podesta sometimes dined at Comet Ping Pong, where you can enjoy pizza and play some ping pong. Ah, I hear you say, the plot thickens. But the restaurant itself posted on its own Facebook page, Let me state unequivocally, these stories are completely and entirely false, and there is no basis in fact to any of them. But that wasn't the end. Social media was still awash with the claims, and according to the Washington Post, An oddly disproportionate share of the tweets about Pizzagate appear to have come from, of all places, the Czech Republic, Cyprus and Vietnam. It's worth mentioning for those who perhaps aren't familiar that the more something is retweeted or otherwise shared online, the more prominently it actually appears. It carries more weight based on how many people are sharing it. So automated accounts that are sometimes referred to as bots They combined with ordinary Twitter users and pushed out the Pizzagate-related rumours, and the notion spread like wildfire. On Friday the 4th of November, then, a slightly early fireworks display, the Friday before the presidential election, and the owner of the Comet Ping Pong restaurant, James Elephantus, notices a tirade of comments calling him a paedophile on his Instagram account. Mr Elephantus had held a fundraiser for the Clinton campaign at his restaurant, and he knows and indeed knew some high-profile members of Hillary Clinton's campaign. Now, he was being accused of using his restaurant as a front for a paedophile ring that Hillary Clinton and her campaign manager John Podesta knew all about. Daisy Luther Uh, runs a couple of websites, one of which is all about commentating on news and current affairs. She describes herself as an author, author, blogger, and homeschooling mom. Here's what she makes of Pizzagate. Nobody has a whole lot of answers about this, and that's what makes it all so mysterious and intriguing. That and the fact that, you know, the accusations are absolutely horrific. Um, It came about when... WikiLeaks released um, John Podesta's emails. There was a series of emails in these leaked documents that had a whole lot of stuff that just seemed very strange. It was talking about things like pizza and hot dogs. And the way it was talking about it, it seemed as though it was in code of some sort. So um, some people over on Reddit began investigating this on their own. And they became very concerned that all of these codes were um, pedophilia 
related codes and that all of these uh, politically elite people were basically trafficking in children. And I came across some of the articles that you'd uh, written and indeed sort of videos and various bits and pieces that that you shared on your own website. So it was something that, and it indeed presumably is still something, that you, you kind of subscribe to and perhaps want to know more about. Is that fair to say? What I, what I really would like to see is an, a thorough investigation, a thorough official investigation. It seems like a lot of things have been swept under the rug and dismissed as fake news without any due diligence. So... You know, I don't live in Washington, D.C. I don't run in these circles. So I certainly can't say for a fact, oh, all of these people are pedophiles. They're all doing these horrible things. But I just found that there was rather a a confluence of strange circumstances that really made me question whether or not this, this could possibly be true. But it does, I mean, I think perhaps you said it yourself there that it, a lot of it does seem quite sort of circumstantial and a lot of it seems quite quite like a conspiracy theory and there's no actual evidence and the police have discredited it and a man who wandered into a pizza restaurant with an assault rifle didn't actually find any evidence either. It does, it seems a little bit like it's not true. And, you know, that that is always a possibility. However, I don't believe that it was investigated as thoroughly as it should have been. There really were a lot of very strange things. And, you know, when when you hear hoofbeats, um, you shouldn't think zebras, but you should definitely think there's possibly something there and then it's not all in your head. So while I can't say absolutely this exists and all of these people are doing these things, I think it bears investigation. And I think that, um, you know, the way this incident with the man with the rifle was was described, that was really very strange as well. I mean, maybe he's an, a mentally unbalanced person. Maybe this was a setup to discredit the entire story um, that Pizzagate is actually a real event. It's really hard to say because, again, none of us are getting the full story on any of this. Do you not trust the police then when they say that it, that it is a load of rubbish? Uh, you know, it it it's really difficult to say. Um, I wish I could give you certain answers. No, I don't automatically just trust someone because they're wearing a police uniform or they are a police spokesperson. Because cover-ups happen all the time in every every realm of life and every type of investigation. When someone has enough money and power, um, they can definitely sway the information that's put out about them. Do you think the reporting around this issue has been responsible? I mean, whether it comes from the mainstream media or whether it comes from what some may call fake news sites or certainly sort of more commentary-based sites, perhaps. Do you think the reporting around this issue is responsible? This isn't a yes or no question. Um, First of all, if you go back and you read all of those documents, Hillary Clinton does not seem, if, if you subscribe to any of this being real, Hillary Clinton is does not seem to be personally involved in any of this. It seems to be more of a case of her staff. Um, it, if you're basing your allegations on what you're able to find um, in the WikiLeaks, which is kind of the source that I tend to trust. Um, so, Saying that Hillary Clinton did these things is not a fair or accurate representation of what WikiLeaks said. Um, 
I am personally not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I think she's done a lot of horrible things over the years. And these are horrible things that there's irrefutable proof of. I've I've got lists and lists on my website of these things. Um, However, saying that she is a pedophile or involved in child trafficking is not a fair assessment. Sure. Okay. I mean, uh, coming back again to to sort of the content that was picked out of the WikiLeaks emails, I mean, things like uh, sort of various code words, including pizza um, and reference to pizza was what was kind of one of the things that was picked out. I mean, it's it's quite a leap, isn't it, to to presume that the word pizza might indicate a pedophile ring involving a presidential candidate? Um, I don't know if it's a leap or not. And um, if, if you do a little bit of research, you know, it's a sick world, the, the world of pedophilia and child trafficking. Um, there are websites on the dark web that are all about these types of things. People have discussions. And yes, they do use codes and symbols and things like this to communicate their interests um, more subtly. Do you subscribe to the idea of fake news? Do you think that is an actual concept, a problem, or do you I think... I certainly do, but mm. you're probably, I, I don't mean to be offensive sure. at all, but you're probably not going to like my opinion of fake news. To me, the real fake news is these um, outlets like Washington Post, the mainstream media is the real fake news because their bias is so blatant. And this, this whole... Russian hacking thing is really quite idiotic. If you look at it, again, we're talking about completely circumstantial stories that they're presenting as fact. You know, the CIA did say, oh, yeah, Russia was involved in this. But other institutions like the FBI said, no, Russia's not involved. Um, People with a lot of knowledge about computers and hacking and security, like John McAfee, he also said there is absolutely no way that this is true. So I think the real fake news is the mainstream media who um, really does a lot to try to sway people to vote the way they want them to vote, to believe the way they want them to believe. They try to present themselves as um you know, these arbiters of truth, but they're really not at all. They're presenting, um, they're presenting a bias. It's propaganda. Is bias the same thing as fake news in this circumstance, though? Because, I mean, in America, particularly media outlets definitely are biased and they definitely sort of toe party lines and they, they have a preferred candidate in the, in the context of a presidential campaign. But I feel like bias is perhaps slightly different to deliberately misleading or jumping to conspiracy theories and spreading kind of vitriol uh, based on assumption. You're absolutely correct. Um, I I guess maybe I used the wrong word. Um, The bias is very, very blatant, but they do present things as facts that are not actually facts, like the whole Russian hacking thing. They're presenting all sorts of things that are untrue. And they're presenting them as truth. And if that's not the definition of fake news, I certainly don't know what it would be. Are you worried about fake news as an issue, as a problem? Um, What I'm worried about is the fact that people, well, not as much anymore, but they used to really trust the mainstream media implicitly. And if somebody on the news said it, they said, well, I heard that on CNN, so it has to be the truth. Now, fortunately, a lot of people seem to be opening their eyes that these reports are so slanted that they're not really very honest. So it's nice that they're beginning to see that. I I would say that my biggest concern is 
being um, accused of being fake news. You know, that's happened to a lot of my colleagues. Um, There was a ridiculous report on the Washington Post that said all of these websites were Russian propaganda websites. And that's absolutely not the case because I know many of these people personally. I've had dinner in their homes. They're certainly not Russian propagandists. They're just everyday Americans that care about what's going on. However, the the story that they're presenting is so opposite what – the mainstream and the government wants to be presented that they're being accused of lying. I like downloading podcasts because you can take them with you wherever you go. So if you're on the train, you can't really listen to radios. So podcasts are the way to go. Fast forward then to election day. Brittany Pettibone is a right-wing online activist based in California. She writes novels with her twin sister. Now, I've not read them, but I understand they're science fiction. On her Twitter account, she posted drawings of children under the label Sexualized Children, Child Abuse, Pools and Bondage. She wrote that the images were, quote, a look inside Hillary Clinton's friend Tony Podesta's house. Tony Podesta is John Podesta's brother and is a lobbyist in Washington. Pettibone attached the hashtag Pizzagate. We need to expose this, she wrote in another tweet. Several of the most frequent and prominent advocates of the Pizzagate rumours said they first learned about the supposed conspiracy from Pettibone's posts. Indeed, one of them pointed me in her direction. When I'd asked him to appear on the podcast, he directed me to her to appear on this episode. So I got in touch with Brittany to invite her on to the episode. She replied, With all due respect, I don't speak to the mainstream media. No comment. Meanwhile, the tirade of abuse of real people continues. Along the street from Comet Ping Pong, others were hearing from all manner of strange callers. At a place called Besta Pizza, its owner got an urgent message from the company that maintains his website. A reviewer alleged that his shop's simple pizza-shaped logo was a symbol of child pornography. Hamid, an Egyptian immigrant who voted for Trump, was stunned. It's a slice of pizza, he said. This is where things become especially personal and frightening. Conspiracy theorists began pouncing on any social media post involving children, adding foul comments and attempting to read abuse into innocent photos. On the phone and online, threats to Mr. Elephantus poured in, with as many as 150 calls every day. You're listening to Trust Me, I'm a Journal with Callum MacDonald. In episode one, we're looking at Pizzagate. What happened? How did it start? And what was the result of this online fake news story? This is Trust Me, I'm a Journalist. Edgar Welsh arrived at Comet Ping Pong at around 3pm on the 4th of December. He was carrying an assault rifle. My name is Sharif Silmi. Uh, I'm an attorney in Washington, D.C. And uh, basically I uh, had the unfortunate occurrence of being at a place where, uh, you know, gunmen walked in. Sharif Silmi was there. We basically were kind of out for a day trip, and um, that area where Comet Ping Pong is, uh, is, you know, kind of nice little corridor. There's some bookshops and some other attractions. So we're there planning on having a pizza, playing some ping pong, and um, and then heading to the bookstore. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunately when the incident occurred and kind of stopped us in our tracks and caused us to change our plans a bit. Sure. Had you been to the restaurant before? No, I had not. Uh, had you been aware at that time of any of the kind of stories surrounding it? Had, had you been sort of following any of the events? 
Well, I uh, heard about the event from the Kojo Namde show, which is a it's a program on uh, NPR in the United States, and it was a very you know reasonable discussion about you know what the place is and what you know the uh, controversy was surrounding it and how frankly uh, ridiculous the notions that were being put out about it. So I, I wasn't, you know, concerned about going there because obviously I knew that, you know, whatever stories were made up about the place were, were unfounded. And, um, you know, so we, we also, uh, knew about the, uh, gourmet pizza that they, they had there because of a, a food network program, um, called uh, drive-in diners and dives and um you know they they did a profile about the restaurant and we love pizza and we uh like you know to to have you know fun so they had ping pong there and and that's why we went i mean what happened you were you were sat having your pizza how how did the afternoon unfold yeah so so we finished having our pizza um we i was actually playing ping pong with my wife at the time and um my kids were around me, and that's when this individual walked in. There's three sections in the pizzeria. There's the front table section. There's a middle section that has ping pong tables and foosball table. And then there's a back section that's a reserved party area, I believe. And uh, so we were in the middle section playing ping pong, and the um, person walked in from the front, uh, it looked like. And um, I had, you know, he, my side toward him and seen him through my, you know, in my peripheral vision. And uh, I assumed it was like a security guard or a person that was uh, part of the staff. But, um, you know, one of the waiters came and said, you know, there's a shooter. It is actually a gunman, actually, is what he said. Um, and he has a shotgun. We need to get out of here. So that's what that's what we did. We, we got the heck out of there. So a, a, a scary situation to be in, particularly with your family. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was... Um, strange in that everybody kind of left in a very orderly and calm manner. I mean, the, the gentleman didn't engage us at all. Like he didn't threaten us or, you know, even, uh, talk to us or, or tell us, you know, command us in any way. He was just, he walked straight into the back, determined to walk into the back. Um, so, you know, in that sense, we, you know, it was just somebody that was, you know, really walking by. That's why, you know, we initially thought it was, or of some sort. I mean, the reason I came across you is because at the time you'd been tweeting about uh, kind of what was happening on the day. And, um, well, I mean, one tweet that I found in reply to your coverage of the events, if you like, was, where's your proof Pizzagate is fake? Uh, because Is it because the mainstream media says so? Why do you find it so hard to believe? Are you one of those sickos? Um, and I don't think that's the only tweet or, or indeed sort of follow-up piece that, that you've endured as a result of being caught up in this. After the incident took place and, you know, reflecting on the Kojo Namde program and the, you know, kind of conspiracy theories that were out there about the place, I tweeted out something along the lines of holding Alex Jones and Roger Stone responsible for the danger that we were put in that day. And, you know, the reaction to that was enormous from, you know, their followers who are basically on the, you know, what used to be the, the right wing fringe in this country. But I guess now it's the mainstream, uh, you know, Republican, uh, you know, powers that be. And, uh, you know, they basically were accusing me of all sorts of things of being a Hillary Clinton, you know, supporter and on her payroll and, you know, covering up 
uh, you know, pedophilia and all this kind of nonsense. And, you know, I mean, I just basically said, you know, what, what I saw there and, um, you know, folks just weren't really happy about it. And, uh, you know, so I, I got a, a barrage of, uh, of, of insults and attacks <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, they kind of dissipate after a while, but, you know, they, they still come about, you know, from time to time. And I mean, some of the attacks and some of the comments I saw about you were that you're, well, first of all, you're a liar. Uh, somebody accused you of being an actor who was um, sent into the pizza restaurant, I think, from from one comment I read. Uh, I mean, just to be clear, yeah, that you're telling yeah, the truth you know, and you're not an actor. Yeah, one interesting one was, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm an attorney and I recently got a, you know, kind of important, um, you know, approval for, for a situation that took place from the... Department of Homeland Security for, for a client of mine. Mm. And it was, you know, published online somewhere that this uh, approval uh, was provided. And basically the allegation was that that was a quid pro quo for my cooperation in covering up Pizzagate. So, you know, it's, uh, it's quite, I mean, it's kind of funny, but kind of sad. I mean, I don't know really what to describe it as, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people out there, they really, and they're, they're really, I think, they, they believe themselves, you know, and that, that's the really uh, sad part. I think part of it is probably addictive uh, type personalities mm. uh, that are, you know, sitting there digging and digging and digging, you know, on kind of pumped up on kind of amphetamines or I don't know what their problem is, but there there's a lot of craziness out there. I guess my message would be that, you know, this is a real incident that took place. There was a real guy with a real gun and a real place with, real, uh, you know, employees and real customers there that could have lost their lives as a result. So not everything is just a fake, you know, a, you know, a incident that is just made up. So, you know, folks should understand there's real consequences to these things. Welch was inside for about 45 minutes, searching for underground vaults or hidden rooms where the paedophile ring operated. And he did emerge with his hands up. No one was hurt. According to notes taken by police when he was arrested, he had read online the Comet restaurant was harbouring child sex slaves and that he wanted to see for himself if they were there. He surrendered peacefully when he found no evidence that underage children were being harboured in the restaurant. So let's be clear, this man travelled to a restaurant with an assault rifle to investigate a fake news story. The news story was spread online by many people including people closely connected to Donald Trump. Michael Flynn Jr. was the son and chief of staff to Donald Trump's incoming national security advisor, and he tweeted, Until Pizzagate is proven to be false, it'll remain a story. The left seems to forget that Podesta emails and the many coincidences tied to it. He's since been fired from President Trump's transition team. Here's restaurant owner James Alephantis. I really hope that all of these people fanning the flames of this conspiracy would take a moment to contemplate what has gone on here today and maybe to stop. We've since heard from Edgar Welch, the man who went to the pizza restaurant with the assault rifle because of rumours he'd read online. It doesn't really get more believable when you say it more times, does it? Anyway, he spoke to the New York Times, so we got an actor to voice up what he told them. I just wanted to do some good and went about it the wrong way. The intel on this wasn't 100%. However, he refused to dismiss outright the claims in the online articles, conceding only that there were no children, quote, inside that dwelling. 
he also said that child slavery was a worldwide phenomenon. He said that substantial evidence from a combination of sources had left him with the impression something nefarious was happening. Mr Welch said that he had acted in haste and that if he could, he would do a lot of things differently. I regret how I handled the situation. The conspiracy surrounding Pizzagate that associates of Hillary Clinton operated a paedophile ring that she knew about out of a pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C., hold the front page, is fake news. There is no evidence and no victims. Police call it a fictitious conspiracy theory. Hoaxers and online influencers collaborated here to create a compelling and frankly nonsensical story about despicable and disgusting behaviour by political elites. It struck a chord with people who have, for a long time, seen the mainstream media and the politically powerful as well-connected people who are manipulative and evil. This bizarre pizza paedophilia piece of make-believe seems to have struck the right kind of nerve in this simultaneously gullible and paranoid time to mean that fake news is now a lasting and serious concern. So there you have it, the story of Pizzagate. Fake news by certainly most accounts, if not all accounts. There are still lots of people who want Pizzagate to be investigated uh, in a way that they would call properly um, and thoroughly. Uh, But the police um, arrested a man who was investigating it for himself, who was a subscriber to Pizzagate, and he himself found no evidence of the alleged paedophilia ring based in the Ping Pong Pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C., The reason that we're talking about it, although this happened a couple of months ago now, the reason we're talking about it now is because it's the one that's had the most tangible effect. A man who believed this story travelled to a restaurant where members of the public, men, women and children, were eating pizza. He had an assault rifle. He was trying to liberate children from a paedophile sex ring, an admirable aim, but there was no actual evidence suggesting that this was happening. He fell for a story and it could have had much worse consequences. Right then, let's turn the spotlight on Craig Silverman. He's the media editor at BuzzFeed and is quite simply a fake news boffin. He's been investigating fake news for ages and has published all kinds of brilliant stuff. You should look it up. Uh, We're going to hear from Craig throughout the series and today he's going to lay out for us some of the reasons that fake news has taken hold. And social media, of course, is one of the big ones. It it is a different way to consume information on Facebook, whereas before you may be consciously aware of, say, the newspaper you were reading and perhaps choose to subscribe to it. On Facebook, you log in, you look at your newsfeed, and there's stuff that all kind of looks the same. It's, you know, headlines and images. And a lot of that stuff has been shared and is, is showing up because it came from your friends and from family. And so we tend to trust information coming from people that are close to us more. So the nature of consuming on social is one piece of it. The fact that some of that information would come from friends and family kind of heightens our uh, willingness to look at it. And I think those are two factors that really made people kind of, um, you know, look at this stuff and maybe get their level of skepticism to recede. And the third piece, obviously, is if it aligns with what you already think and feel, chances are, again, you're going to be more willing to click on it to engage with it. And you did a lot of work as well on, on finding out who actually was, was pushing these fake news stories, where they originated. Tell us a little bit about that. So there are a few different areas where fake news was coming from. And there are certainly people in the United States running fake news websites who were getting lots of engagement on Facebook for their election fakes. So they did more of that. And that's that's a group that's there. One of the surprising things that we found when we went looking around the world uh, to find kind of pro-Trump websites in Europe and other places is that there was this cluster of pro-Trump websites in Macedonia. And then when we zeroed in even more, we were able to find that there were well over 100 
of these websites, the vast majority of which were pro-Trump. And when we looked even closer, we saw that among their biggest hits were completely fake stories. So after talking to some of the people running these sites, we realized that they were often very young men, in some cases teenagers in Macedonia, who according to them had launched these sites just because they saw that they could get a lot of traffic to them and that in particular the fake stuff tended to spread better than anything that was kind of down the line and down the middle. Yeah. Are there typical characteristics to a fake news story? Do they all follow a formula or can it, can it literally be anything? Well, I think one of the key things that you'll find in any successful fake news story, meaning one that um, will generate traffic, will generate social engagement, is uh, is that it talks about something that people are already interested in or passionate about. So you see a lot of fake news stories about, you know, if there's a big election, you see a lot of fake news stories about celebrities. Uh, for example, a couple of years ago when Ebola was a big concern in the United States, I saw a lot of fake news stories about Ebola you know, being discovered in different states and different cities. So anything where there's passion and attention, anything that people are already talking about and, um, and, and giving traffic to online, you're going to find fake news. And then the second piece that usually gets in there is, is they, need, they need to tell somebody something that gets them to react. So playing to emotion, declaring something new, something big has happened, that's the other piece that they do because that gets a reaction out of people and that gets them to share it. So, you know, they're trying to hit that perfect mixture of something that people are really care about and that are giving a lot of attention to and then finding the right angle, the right claim, false claim that will get people to react. That's Craig Silverman from BuzzFeed. And if you're listening to this and you have a Facebook account or a Twitter profile, you'll be fully aware of the amount of news that is actually shared onto your social media account. And it's interesting what what, uh, Craig says there, that actually when stuff is shared by friends or family, it carries more weight. When you see it on your timeline, you think, oh, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my auntie, my mum has shared this. They've probably researched it. I believe what they say. This must be true. But actually... Let's begin to interrogate things for ourselves, because a lot of the time, these stories are simply a load of rubbish, and we consume them on our Facebook profiles and believe them wholesale. We don't look into it, we don't analyse it, we don't interrogate the facts of the story. We heard from Daisy, who subscribes to the idea that Pizzagate needs to be fully investigated. We can't be certain that it's actually fake news. We heard from Sharif, who was actually in the restaurant at the time Edgar Welsh walked in carrying an assault rifle, who says it's absolute fake news and it could have had consequences far worse than what materialised. We've heard from Craig Silverman as well from BuzzFeed, who's outlined for us the characteristics of fake news and the sorts of things that we need to be aware of as we consume content via our social media feeds. I hope you found that in some way helpful as we begin to explore the issues surrounding fake news. That's Trust Me, I'm a Journal, Episode 1. Coming up next time... I just started thinking, like, after the campaign, after, like, somehow Donald Trump won, like, was my attempt to to hurt his campaign, did it actually help it in some weird way? The man who may have influenced the US presidential election with his fake news articles will be speaking to Paul Horner, who admittedly had just woken up and you'll hear him yawn several times during the interview, but it's a good listen nonetheless. Subscribe on iTunes, follow on SoundCloud, and find out more. Trust me, I'm a journal.com. Until next time, goodbye. Podcast is the way to go. Trust me, I'm a journal is a Callum AM production. Its executive producer is John McDonald. 